Hello, and welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Bueno. Wanted to take a minute and do the thing that I don't like to do. I should probably stop saying that I don't like to do it because that's kind of creating more negative energy around it. But I have to do the thing where I ask you to share the podcast with friends. If you've been listening before, one of the things you know I'm trying to kind of spread myself around this year and become more expansive. My guest today and I talk about that exact thing, actually, the idea of being expansive. And in order to do that, I need your help. So if you like this podcast and it's something that you get things out of, please share with a friend who might be into it. I get not all people might be into it. Not everybody's as witchy as we are, right? But if you got any witchy friends, send me their way. So without further ado, today's guest is Lauren Maxwell, and she does a lot of things. She's a yoga teacher. She's a writer. She's just a lovely human. She reached out to me after listening to the podcast. You know what? I'm always skeptical. I say that I want other people to reach out to me, and then I'm like, why do you want to be on my podcast? And so anytime it's somebody I don't know who I don't get a recommendation from, I'm always like, oh, let's just talk on the phone and see how it goes. And we just started talking like we'd known each other for years. It was just like super easy to talk. And I was like, yes, queen, you can be on the podcast. I'm so excited. And we finally got together. So I think you're really going to have fun listening to my interview with Lauren Maxwell. Hello, Lauren Maxwell. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. It's really good to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you and get to know more about you and all that kind of fun stuff. So I guess we can start by telling listeners how we met. And I guess I guess we met because of the podcast, right? We did. And I love that. I encountered the podcast through Candice Wu. Yay, Candice! Yeah, yay, Candice. And it resonated with me. I felt like this is a community that I would like to get to know. And I was looking to sort of expand in that way and then reach out to you. And you were very receptive. And then we chatted and it was all great. So see, guys, it's that easy if you want to be on a (laughs) podcast. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think I mentioned in an episode before, I'm always looking for cool people. So if you're out there and you're cool, just email me and we'll chat. (laughs) Thank you. I love that. Yeah. So do you want to tell folks more about who you are and what you do? I would love that. Thank you. I am a writer and a creative person, also specializing in yoga for back care. So using yoga as the back care specialty, as a therapeutic means for dealing with issues like scoliosis and herniation, spondylolisthesis, general back pain, whatever it may be. And I am also a student of all those things. And I have written a zine. This is the sort of bit of my writing work that has been for myself and not for other people called How to Uncover Self in Chaotic Times. Awesome. And as soon as you said back pain, I was like, oh, fuck, my (laughs) mid-back. I was like, so what yoga pose do I do for my mid-back? And, you know, what I need to do is just fucking go back to yoga because I've not been. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I understand. I am such a fan of yin yoga, too. Like, I just want to lay there in poses for five minutes and then just switch to another pose for five minutes, be supported by blocks. That's my jam. I know what you mean. And I do a lot of work with the nervous system, for example, because oftentimes if you're dealing with a back issue, if it's structural, meaning if the spine is veering one way or another, or maybe Mm -hmm. one curve is exaggerated a little bit more than it would be in a completely neutral position, then the nervous system is kind of going along with it. So that can sometimes provoke 
anxiety or depression, not always, but it might. And pain in itself ties up the nervous system. So what I was going to say is that when you're working in those restorative poses, if you've really found one that kind of stretches the vagus nerve along the back of the neck, and Mm -hmm. that's related to the parasympathetic nervous Mm -hmm. system, which is rest and restore, then it can be really therapeutic to spend even like a good 20 minutes there, especially if it's something that, you know, helps your back. Yeah. I really want to talk about all that shit because I just did a sensory motor training session this weekend where we talked all about polyvagal theory. But let's go back, talk about you more before we talk about that kind of stuff. So what led you here? And you can start from conception or at whatever age you'd like. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Well, I had a background in music, which I think you did as well. That was something that we had in common. And then I had a little bit of an illness. It was a thyroid situation that thickened my vocal cords and caused me to take a step back. And when I took a step back to get well, that became like, hey, I need to, you know, pay my rent and pay my student loans and all these things. So before I knew it, I had another career and that career was in community communications. Again, the theme of writing Mm. comes up and I was working in corporate communications for a little bit and I took a trip to Utah and out in the deserts of Utah with, you know, the most vibrant colors and the clearest night sky, I felt such freedom mentally and emotionally as well. And I had sort of like the post-vacation blues after Mm. that trip. And I was thinking like, you know, I don't know if I want to go back to the laptop all day, every day. How can I incorporate that feeling of expansiveness into my everyday? And I just decided then and there that it doesn't have to be reserved for vacation. And so Mm -hmm. I started realizing like there are little things I can do. And this doesn't mean for everyone that it will end up in a total career change and lifestyle change. For me, it eventually did end up there. But it can be baby steps, right? It can be just like Mm -hmm. taking back control over your email or over your screen time. So one thing when I still had a full time corporate job, one thing that I did was in the morning, I made sure that I took some time pre-screen, no screens at all Mm. until I had maybe done my yoga practice or maybe done my writing practice. So that's one way that I was able to sort of tap back into my own creativity rather than using it on everyone else's projects, which is a beautiful thing, but it's also good to make space for your own voice. And so that ended up being very therapeutic for me. And eventually I kind of wanted to study yoga over the years. I had practiced for pretty much a decade, but I don't know, the programs I saw just weren't feeling quite right. I knew I was looking for something that was a little bit different. I thought it might be about connecting women or nurturing people in some way. And I wasn't sure what that looked like. And then I had dealt with my own back pain and I met a teacher in New York who took one look at me and said, oh, we need to fix that shoulder. And sure enough, Hmm. in two weeks, all my pain was gone. And it was like, I had tried chiropractic, physical therapy, and a lot of things. Yeah. And all those things are great. And they, I think, can be an important part of the healing package. But I always like to say, like, you need a committee, right? You need yeah. like many different people who can offer different things. And for me, yoga allowed me not just to try to move the bones, for example, in chiropractic of the back, but yoga allows the person to melt away a pain-inducing muscle pattern and mm. then rebuild a healthier one. Whereas massage might melt away a pattern temporarily, it doesn't necessarily rebuild the healthier right. one yeah, going to like help you avoid pain moving forward. So now I'm here and I know that life is never going to look like it did again when I had those full-time corporate jobs. Mm-hmm. I do yoga for back hair. I write and put things out in the world that way and am exploring how it all fits together. 
Yeah. There's so much that you said in there that I wanted to comment on. The first thing that struck me was use the word expansive about Mm -hmm. like your experience in Utah. And that's been a thing that I'm totally feeling in 2019, Mm -hmm. that it's time for expansion and not necessarily in like a business sort of way, but an internal sort of way. Like, I don't know. I'm doing a movement that you can't see right now. And so that's mm-hmm. so unhelpful to you and all the listeners. <laughs> but that's what I mean. Just picture it. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. And I love it. I love it because I felt it. And yeah, yeah it's an internal expansiveness and mm-hmm. it's spiritual in a way. And I think through that freedom, we can find these keys to our own healing. It's like about listening. It's like, oh, there's one Mm -hmm. clue. So there was like a clue in the desert for me. There was a clue in my own back pain. I'm sure you've had these Mm -hmm. as well. And if you listen to those clues, like with dedication and with bravery, follow them. There's a lot there that you can begin to discover. Well, one of the things I've really been learning through my training in sensory motor psychotherapy is And I've been doing somatic therapy with somebody for over a year now, and Mm -hmm. I had to get quiet in order to recognize what's going on with the system. And then over time, I've been able to figure out what are the subtle differences between when, like, I literally, I just saw my supervisor and she brought up something that brought up like a past trauma and not a big T trauma, like all of my trauma is developmental, which means it's like childhood attachment stuff. And she said something and I was like, oh, no, I'm having a trauma reaction. And so I need to deal with that trauma piece. I can't just talk my way out of this. And the feeling is so subtle. Mm. I'm sure it's a different feeling for other people. But until I got really quiet and trained myself to track that stuff, it was really hard for me to really recognize when my body was saying stuff. And now I'm so aware when my body is saying stuff. It's almost exhausting, actually. Do you feel that way? (laughs) I know very much what you mean. Yeah, with the back hair work, it can start to feel that way because First of all, to identify the issue, you do have to get quiet. And this can be a little bit of a struggle because Mm -hmm. the mainstream, very popular style of yoga is based in movement and fast movement and power yoga and Mm -hmm. sweating. And Mm -hmm. and that's all great. But if you're dealing with a back issue, you can still challenge yourself in terms of strength, you know, trust me. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. you do have to quiet the nervous system, clear everything out of the way and see what you're really working with. And then from there, from that place, you can build on with challenging the body, with building new muscle patterns, with reorganizing the bones and all of this stuff. I've really experienced that also in terms of energetic and emotional healing and like Mm -hmm. the, the work of honoring self and rediscovering and integrating self because it's like when you're thinking about your own truth and your intuition, you also have to clear out the noise to access that. Yeah. So do you want to talk more about the nervous system? We've had a couple guests on here who have talked about it with, but we've not really geeked out about polyvagal theory. Do you want to geek out about that? <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. Yeah. Do you want to describe to listeners what your understanding of that is? Sure. So in my work, like I was saying, we work a lot with the parasympathetic nervous system intentionally. So this tends to be the goal, for example, of a restorative yoga class. Mm -hmm. But I think that if you're very specific with the body and the body's needs, you can go much further. So if you're supporting the body in an aligned and integrated way, where, for example, the spine is in a neutral position throughout 
then that is really going to create clear channels for the Mm -hmm. nervous system. And this is very present in Vedic anatomy as well, that will allow the nervous system to decompress, release. And so we think a lot about the vagus nerve and by gently stretching the back of the neck. So for example, if you're, this is just an easy way to think of it. Mm -hmm. If you're lying on your back in Shavasana and your chin is, above your forehead. So if you were to touch your chin and your forehead and your Mm -hmm. chin was higher, then you know the vagus nerve is not being stretched. So an Mm. easy way to do that is to place a folded blanket underneath the head Mm -hmm. and not under the shoulders, but then that will elevate the back of the head so that the forehead is a little bit higher than the chin. And then in that case, the vagus nerve is being stretched and you Mm -hmm. can begin to find that element of restoration and cooling and kind of integrating the nervous system and allowing it to release because let's be honest, we're going to have to release it. Like our culture, our notifications, our phones, our sirens, like they are Mm -hmm. not going to release it for us. (laughs) I know something's going to happen to our culture, right? Like I feel like everything is coming to a fever pitch right now. And suicides are on the rise. Mm. I feel like I'm seeing more people struggle with addiction lately than I have in the past. Like our Mm. culture is killing us. And I don't know what it's going to take for society as a whole to recognize what's going on. I mean, like clearly this podcast, there are enough of us that are having this conversation that are really aware of these things. And I see on the Today Show, they'll have some person in talking about meditation or blah, 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 whatever. But (laughs) like we're not getting it. What the fuck? Mm -hmm. What is going to have to happen? I know. I often wonder that, too, because it feels like the boiling point is here. Like, you know, like, (laughs) yes, it's almost like you have to experience another way to then realize, like, no, there's no going back to this way of living. Like, I I have Mm -hmm. to live in a way that is healthier and calmer, really, and happier from that place. And I think that you have to make the conscious choice to go experience that. I guess mindfulness as a buzzword is better than nothing, but that doesn't require people to actually have the experience of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess if everybody figured it out, nobody would need to come see us anymore. (laughs) So that's a positive, but... That's true. I don't know. Living in Chicago, because you live in Nashville and where else? You're bicidial? I don't know what That's not a word. Well, it is to us. And I was in New York for a year last year. And then I briefly went to Greenville, South Carolina. And now I'm in Nashville. And I'll be in Nashville for the next few months. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, working with place has been really interesting to kind of think about. But yeah, what were you going to say about Chicago? It's just... The thing that kills me is the way that people drive. I can pretty much avoid a lot of the hustle and bustle because my neighborhood is small enough. I can park in front of my house. So it kind of feels like I'm in a suburb, even though I'm still in the city and traffic's not crazy where I live. Mm -hmm. But when I drive, it's just every man for themselves. It's I'm going to honk at you if you even look at me the wrong way. Mm. For whatever reason, the energy that comes from that makes me really tired by the city. Because I think I can avoid most of it. But I have these fantasies now of like, well, shit, do I want to move to like the Pacific Northwest? Because that vibe seems to be my vibe, you know, since I've slowed down. But also Nashville, too, is pretty. I mean, that's Southern. So they like to be slow. (laughs) Yes, yes. Nashville has a little bit of traffic, but I don't think it's anything compared to Chicago. Actually, well, 
it's funny because I feel like Asheville, Nashville, Portland, Seattle, and Atlanta, these like smaller cities that don't have the infrastructure of places like Mm -hmm. Chicago, your traffic seems to be worse because y'all don't have the interstate system set up for it. And since we have the transit system, it's so walkable and so transit friendly. It's interesting. I feel like there's this push that younger people are moving to these little big cities because they want the convenience of the city, but right. they want the small town feel. It's mm-hmm. just it's just fascinating. It's true. Atlanta in particular is yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, my brother lives there, so I've gotten to visit and I had a friend that moved there and it's lovely. Like I remember going there when I was in college and there was nothing significant that I was aware of. But now it's pretty much like Chicago when it comes to getting food. You know, you can go to any type of restaurant. You can go to all these concerts. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's one good thing about society. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you were saying, like, I guess this is our job in the world. And now I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should. I love breath work. Like, is the next thing to do breath work for drivers? (laughs) Yes. Did you listen to the podcast with Nathaniel? I didn't, but I would love to listen to that one. You might want to be his friend next. Oh, sounds great. Yeah, because his thing was breath work. Yep. Mm, Yeah, Yeah. I think it's so powerful and it's very soft. So you almost Mm -hmm. don't realize the power of it. In my own body, I was working to sort of like release kind of like this protective covering on my upper back and shoulders so that I could Mm. just, you know, live in my truth without the need to self-protect. And it was like Mm. breath work actually really helped to address some of those things on an energetic level, Mm. like using the full capacity of the lungs, which go all the way up to your collarbones. But you're not necessarily able to feel that just in your everyday activity. Right, right. And funny being a singer, like we were taught how to do that. But I have so much anxiety around my breath. And I think part of it comes from being told that I was doing it wrong for so many years. Oh, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And also just like the anxiety of like, I have to finish this long phrase and it's not going to happen. Right, right. And (laughs) we're done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Well, I'd like to transition into the healer and wounded healer talk. So I'm curious your thoughts on the word healer and how that might apply to your work. Yeah, I think this is a great and really important question. I tend to be very cautious with the word healer and lean more towards words like facilitator, collaborator, space holder, I really like, teacher. Mm. And, you know, that's for a few reasons. It's in part that I have such deep respect for these lineages and traditions that I aim to benefit from and to learn from. And it's also as a white cisgendered woman, Mm -hmm. I feel called to be very intentional with my language and to avoid anything that could align itself with co-opting, taking, Mm -hmm. commoditizing, you know, using something that's not necessarily mine. So Mm -hmm. I think where I ultimately fall is I aim to share things that I've experienced. And I feel, for example, when I studied yoga philosophy, there was an emphasis on only teaching that which you have known. And Mm. that resonates with me. So I love sharing with people things that have been healing in my own world. However, it's then their choice to take it and use it. And then they become their own healer. And 
I think that's where the real potential is because from that empowered place of like, wow, look at how I shifted my own life. Look at how I went from point A to point B. And then you can't help but interact differently in your close relationships, in your community. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of like a ripple effect that eventually will better the collective, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's exactly why I do this podcast. I started typing as soon as you said, only teach what you've known. That's it. <sighs> I try to tell my students, you've got to be in therapy for yourselves. And mm -hmm. and every time I do a presentation, I'm like, you guys, you got to be doing this work. Yes. And like, I'm so honored, you know, whenever anyone says that they have had some sort of healing experience with me, whether that is in terms of the pain relief or the honoring self, reconnecting to self. But all the me and any ego just has to not be part of the equation. Like I'm only a conduit to like share a practice that was generously shared with me. Mm -hmm. And from there, someone can do the work themselves and heal themselves. And like, how miraculous is that? Yeah. And truthfully, for me, the ego is something that I still struggle with. And I realized it comes from a place of lack, right? Like, mm. I've been reading more about attachment theory recently and recognizing how so when the connection with a parent is threatened for a child, the child is always going to blame themselves over blaming the parent, right? Because that's mm. survival. And then that's what creates chronic shame. And if I have chronic shame, then I'm going to need that external validation. And that really like kind of kicks up the ego. And I know I'm not the only one. So I feel like that's something that I continuously need to work on because yesterday, for example, I came home and my husband's like, how was your day? And I'm like, I'm a fucking great therapist. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. But I was also trying to balance it with... I'm not the best therapist. I'm not a special therapist. I am just a great therapist. And I can say that and be proud of the gifts that I have, which have all come from my own work, and try to not fall prey to the ego when like one of the things that I do is a group in a treatment center. And I do it truthfully just because I get so much from it. Like yeah. there's something so special. I can't even say what it is, but I think I get more than the patients do. <laughs> oh my God. That is so, so amazing. Well, yeah. that that's when you know you've found it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. If your work in the world can be helping others, but also serving you. I mean, that yeah. is just, I think that's the way forward. And yeah. as you were talking about ego, I was thinking, I think you're not alone. First of all, yeah. I think like everyone deals with this and also when you have sort of like dealt with some shit in your life, then I think it's healthy mm -hmm. to like honor the courage and the dedication that it took to address those things. And also like the ego is not all bad, you know, like right, that's how right. we like get our lives done and move forward and mm -hmm. participate in the world. And I don't know, function in capitalism. <laughs> I know. I know. That's the part where it's like, fuck, how do we I fix know. that? <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. The other thing, I guess, because it's interesting, there was a part of me that got mad, not at you, but just mad at the idea that healer is not a word that we're entitled to. And mm. it made me think several things because you're right, as a white cisgendered person, 
is that our right? And I truthfully don't know enough about how the term healer has been used in all the cultures to be able to say whether it's my right or not. But Mm -hmm. I'm guessing now that you said that, like as a white person, it's probably my job to like kind of take a step back and be like, "Eh, maybe I don't need to take this one. Yeah. And like, also, I think it depends on the lineage. It depends on what your practice is. But I think in general, in terms of colonialism, there was a lot of like stamping out of oh, indigenous yeah. healing practices, for example. Yeah. But I think it's a person to person decision on terms of what feels right, I guess. Yeah. But being your own healer, I mean, yeah. how cool is that? Oh, we should all be our own healer, <laughs> right? Right. And I'm reading this book I can't remember what it's called. The word goddess is in the title and it's talking about how we moved from a society that not we, I wasn't born, you weren't born. This was literally like (laughs) hundreds of thousands of BC years ago, but talking about how societies were more about reverence to the divine feminine and how then the patriarchal Mm -hmm. society kind of stepped in and changed it and how moving forward, we are moving back to the divine feminine and witches. Yes. So witches, we love you. Yeah. So I feel like, okay, from our lineage, if we want to say that as white people relating Mm -hmm. to witches. And I guess I don't know how did white witches really start their thing and then they got burned at the stake. Mm -hmm, I don't know. mm -hmm. There's something there that I can't form a complete sentence around, but you know what I'm saying. I do. Yeah. And I think like if you really wanted to dig into it, you could look at your own ancestry. For example, would you be working from a Celtic tradition? Mm. Would you, you know, so like I think you can take it. Mm back. Yeah. I like that idea. Right. And like sort of reclaim some things that might be more yours, so to speak. And then the other thing that as you were speaking about divine feminine, I mean, I just love all of these things. I love the idea of feminist business. And like, personally, I've had to untangle like a lot of ideas around success and what I was Mm -hmm. indoctrinated to think success means. And so I've been trying to think a lot about softer definitions of success that are more stereotypically feminine Mm -hmm. and the way that that looks in terms of business and everyday life and expectations of the outside world and how you balance all that stuff. Right. And going back to capitalism, it's hard to survive from that place when we still have to participate in a capitalist society. Yeah. I mean, I have that struggle with clients all the time. If they Mm -hmm. could step out of their life and just heal, then Mm -hmm. everything would be fine. But no, they have to make money. They have to pay rent. They have to pay, you know, whatever thing they need to pay. And there's just not a lot of space for healing. No, there's really not. And that's why, like we were saying earlier, it has to be this intentional choice to try to experience something different. And it's easier to run the other way. You know what I mean? (laughs) For sure. So what about wounded healer? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes I wonder when people hear wounded healer, does their ear and their brain go directly towards the wounded part? Mm -hmm. But for me, I see so much power in that archetype and I Mm -hmm. love it because I think the power is the most beautiful kind, you know, it's from a Mm -hmm. place of empathy and vulnerability and compassion and 
it's knowing that you had the courage to really stare those things in the face and say like, what are you trying to teach me? What do you have to say to me? What is there to like better integrate this lightning bolt into the narrative of my life, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And when you can start to work with others from that place of compassion, I think there's so much power in that. And speaking of our world being at a boiling point, I think Mm -hmm. like it's that place that could begin to turn the tide. And so I love it. I think it's so Mm -hmm. important. And I love that thought of the kind of powerful vulnerability that the wounded healer might be working with. Yeah. And I kind of going back to the ego stuff we were talking about, I feel like the wounded healer has the capacity to help keep the ego in check, right? Because if we are in touch with working on and healing our wounds simultaneously as we're helping others, that's a constant reminder. Because every time I experience a bout of depression or I experience something really hard, every single time I go, oh yeah, this is what my clients feel like. And Mm -hmm. I really do think that that's a gift that I have to keep getting those reminders sometimes. Because sometimes it's like, I've created this wonderful life for myself. I have an amazing husband. All of my friends are therapists. Like Mm -hmm. I get get to spend a lot of my time doing my work and stuff that I really enjoy. And so sometimes I get out of touch with the pain of real real life, you know, because I've kind of created this fantasy life that has become real for me, but isn't real for a lot of the people who walk in my door. Oh my God, that sounds, first of all, like an amazing friend and family situation. (laughs) Secondly, you can come hang out anytime. My birthday is very soon. So you can come to the party. It'll be great. Oh my God, an Aquarius. I'm an Aquarius rising. So no wonder we get along. Yay! Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So as you were saying that, I was thinking just that a lot of times the people who walk in your door, and this is like just the beauty of the wounded healer persona, is they're looking for someone who can look at them in the face and say like, listen, I've been there and there is a way out. Like that's, that's what you need to know is like, you're digging through the mud right now and like it's dirty and messy and you don't want to do it, but you're going to like sift out some gold from that mud. And that's the thing. Mm -hmm. And I've done it before. And that's why I can tell you that with confidence, you know? Yeah. People need to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because when you say that, there's a part of me where imposter syndrome comes up because I work with a lot of people who struggle with substance use issues. And Mm -hmm. knock on wood, I don't have a substance use issue. In the field, we always say yet because you never know. (laughs) So sometimes I feel like, well, I haven't walked in their shoes exactly, so I can't tell them it gets better. But I do know what it's like to be in pain as a human. And I can say that if we put in the work, that gets better. And truthfully, because addiction isn't about the substance, it's about life and all of the other wounds around it. If we heal the rest of our life around it, then hopefully the addiction gets healed as well. Yeah, it's so true. And I think in that way, it seems that even though you might not have the substance abuse piece in common with them, you have the life experience part in common with them. And there are so many tools. And it seems like that would be a cool part about your job is like introducing people to different tools so that they can find the ones that work for them to do that healing work in their own lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love to hear sort of like what has been useful for you. And for me, of course, there's been yoga, but there's also Mm -hmm. been writing and tarot and Mm -hmm. um, tarot. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. And walking, (laughs) even just walking, like, you know, Mm -hmm. take a walk in nature and see what happens. Yeah. It's funny. I talk about tarot on the podcast a lot, I feel like, but I haven't come out to my clients about it because 
Oh, it's funny. funny. Like some of them are at different stages and some of them would be like, what the fuck are you talking yes. about, bitch? <laughs> and some of them, would, they would just roll their eyes. I have one yeah. client who is like such a straight laced, like cis white guy. He would just. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah. When I've told him to meditate, it's, he rolls his eyes. It's great. <laughs> like, fine. Don't do what I tell you to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 But then it's funny because we always come back to the same thing. And he's like, well, how do I do this? And I'm like, well, mm. if, if you meditated, you would actually have built this neuroplasticity by now if you would have done this four years ago. I know. Right. And I think like some piece of him must recognize the truth in that because he keeps coming back. Oh, totally. You know what? I've thought about tarot in terms of people that I work with. And if I were to hold a workshop around relating to self, uncovering self, maybe incorporate breath work. And these are the types of things that I do. Instead of bringing in tarot at the end, even just like oracle cards, for example, Mm, would be mm -hmm. like a nice tidy way to give people like sort of an introduction to that experience without maybe as much depth as the tarot offers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That might be a starting point. Yeah. And I have done that, too. It's funny. Like, well, like they wouldn't call themselves oracle cards, but we know that's what they really are. Yeah. (laughs) They have something to say, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll trick my clients into doing my witchy shit one way or another. (laughs) Exactly. And the ones who are listening are like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's like, you can call it whatever makes you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. but just see what's there. Just Mm -hmm. see. And something we also haven't talked about yet is the healing power of music. Oh, yeah. That is a great point. I have a very trusted and beloved body worker in New York, and she does structural integration work. And I think she just like straight up moves. She's amazing. Her name is Tara Thompson. But Mm. she also has a very deep understanding of energetic and emotional situations that that might inform physical structure and those issues. So Mm. I had some, I think, early developmental issues develop around sharing and speaking my own truth. And then it's interesting because all my work, singing, writing, all this stuff, like there's been something in and around the throat chakra Mm -hmm. for me. You know, it's always been about communication in some way. And I was telling her, like, I think there's a bit of a block here. I have a lot of muscle tightness, A, I sense the energetic blocking and the discomfort with sharing truth sometimes, B, like I'm trying to figure out ways to work through this. And she's like, Lauren, why don't you have a voice lesson? I have the perfect person for you. And I'm like, oh my God, you would think after all those years and voice lessons that I might've thought of it, but I didn't. So Mm -hmm. it was cool, like full circle kind of moment. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was my interview with Candace or Candace's interview with me on her podcast. But she was talking about the literal vibration that happens when you sing in your body. And that had never occurred to me before Mm. about how when we're singing, we are creating vibration, which absolutely is moving energy. And since I've become obsessed with podcasts and don't drive very much, I don't sing very much anymore. The only time that I'm singing is to like get ready for a gig Mm. just to like make sure that my voice is warmed up so I can get through it. But I just don't do it as much anymore because I let so many other things like work really. It seems silly that work gets in the way of singing, but it it has. Yeah, I totally understand that and can relate. So though my partner is a pianist, so when we get near a piano, sometimes we Mm. play around and he's one of those people who can pick up any instrument. So sometimes that's Yeah, I know. What a dick. I've always wanted to be that guy. I guess I'll just have to settle with having him around all the time. Yeah, fine, <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, I wonder, like, in terms of singing, 
you know, there might be ways to explore singing that are more freeing and more expansive than the things that you and I might have done in the past that feel a little bit more limiting, like, oh, you have to get this right. Oh, you have to get that right. So that could be fun to explore. Yeah, definitely. I feel like this time has flown. I know. I know. It's so much fun to talk to you. I feel like I could just keep going. I want to give you space if there's anything specific that you want to share or talk about that we haven't already touched on today. Thank you so much. We've touched on all my favorite things, singing, therapy, uncovering self, traveling. So yeah, I think that I mostly just want to say thank you for facilitating this space for all of us Mm. to kind of gather. And yeah, I really would love to just continue the conversation with you. Like, what does this look like moving forward from the boiling point? You know, I would love to just, Mm -hmm. obviously I'll keep listening to the podcast and just look forward to what unfolds. Yeah. And if you ever have occasion to come to Chicago, let Mm. me know. And I probably will be in Nashville sometime (laughs) in the next year, at least stopping through Nashville to go to Memphis. So awesome. Yeah. Hopefully we can like actually see each other's faces in real life. I would love that. So let's make it happen. I have a feeling you're a really good hugger. Oh, my God. I love hugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Oh, my God. I I would never have guessed that about you. In case any potential students are now terrified, I do read the other person to see whether or not they want the hug. And if I feel that they do, then... I'm coming in. Yes. I always ask. I feel like working enough with like communities around consent and whatnot, it's just become a habit to say, can I hug you? Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And Mm -hmm. with back hair and yoga students, for example, you're already really getting in there and working with the body. So Mm -hmm. sometimes it is nice that there's a boundary there. Like, yeah, Yeah. we move the body in all these other ways, but we don't necessarily have to hug as well. (laughs) Yay. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to connecting with your community. Thank you so much, Lauren Maxwell, for being with us on the show today. Thank you again, as always, to Andrea Clunder and Edwin Ruiz at the Creative Imposter Studios for editing, to Liam O'Donnell for the album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. To find out more about Lauren, you can visit our website at www.headhearttherapy.com podcast. Thank you so much. Until next time. Bye-bye.